Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 10, Rich Frazier. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right, let's get started. I'm really excited to have Rich Frazier with us today. Rich has been training ministry leaders through Spiritual Overseer Service International for over 20 years now and is the president of SOS. SOS is interesting in that they don't provide training for people leaving the states to go on short-term mission trips or even long-term assignments. Rather, they partner with church organizations to provide leadership training specific to the need of the leaders around the world. While we were chatting before this call, we talked about the value of providing this kind of training, and I know it's very near and dear to his heart. Okay, Rich, I've given a little introduction. Now, why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and your ministry. We want to get to know you personally. Well, thank you, Brian. After 30 years of ministry in a local church, I have uh, taken the step to uh, assume the leadership of SOS International. It was actually started in 1979 by a retired Marine Corps Sergeant Major whose vision was to see reached and discipled communities all over the world that are reached and discipled by members of the body of Christ uh, within the thriving church that is led by an equipped and thriving pastor. And because leadership is essential to a thriving church, SOS International's focus is on equipping and training ministry leaders, indigenous ministry leaders, to develop those thriving churches that in turn reach and disciple their communities. That's a little bit of the history of SOS International, and I've been the president of SOS International since 2006. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now that we know you a little, can you share with us a key scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you, and then share with us how that scripture or quote has really shaped your behavior? Well, sure. Thank you. Uh, There's two verses that drive us. The first one is uh, from uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy that this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. At the core of SOS International's ministry and vision is the acceleration of world evangelism. That really is our key. Our Father's desire is for every person to hear and respond positively to the gospel. 
so that is one of the verses that drive us. Another one that drives us is uh, when Jesus looked upon the multitudes and saw that they were without shepherds or without trained shepherds. They were distressed and downcast, walking around like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus asked his disciples and therefore asked us to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. And we can translate that into saying that the Lord wants for people, for them to have shepherds who have compassion for the sheep and whose intent is for the good of the sheep, not necessarily for their own good. So those are two verses um, that drive us, two verses that direct us. Uh, one is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says that, that the Lord gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we would say those goes to the leadership core uh, of the church. He gave the church those leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. When we realize that the body of Christ itself is the global body of Christ, and then you take a step back up, how is the body of Christ built up? It's built up by the equipping of the saints. And then who is to do that equipping? It's the leadership core, C-O-R-P-S, of the church that are to equip the saints for the work of ministry where the body of Christ needs to be built up. So, uh, in, a, in, in essence, SOS International's ministry is to take that strategy of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, and we would insert uh, saints leaders that, uh, that we are equipping the leaders of the church to to build up the body of Christ, wherever the body of Christ needs to be built up. So what we do, our, our essential strategy, is to find the need of leaders around the world. We work with about 30 indigenous ministry groups throughout the world that invite us to provide training for those groups. And what we do is, when they tell us what topics they need training in, we find the best person that we can and invite them through SOS to go and provide that training, whether it's through a seminar, whether it's through a class, a, 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 call, uh, a weekend seminar, to provide that training. So, um, because, because the second verse that directs us is 2 Timothy 2, 2, that as the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, we can see four generations in this, in this instruction. He says, the things, Timothy, you have heard from me. So there's Paul teaching Timothy. He says, the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We see there, um, you know, a multi-generational uh, equipping going on. We've all heard that, um, that, that famous saying that if you give a man a fish, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Well, we say that's okay, uh, but what happens when he dies? Or what happens to everybody else within his generation and what happens to the next generation? So what we want to do is take that analogy and say, we want to teach a man to teach a man to fish. And therefore, everybody within that, that uh, person's generation can be fed. And then everybody in pursuing generations, uh, ensuing generations, could be uh, fed as well. And we see that happening on the leadership level as well. I could also mention that since 1979, SOS International uh, has equipped tens of thousands of ministry leaders in 87 countries on more than 850-term training assignments, whether they're classes, seminars, conferences, uh, mentoring, 
uh, or, or some sort of train. Now, Rich, we know that not everybody's life is just easy and happy. And based on your experience with all of these different trainings and all of the different trips that you've taken, I'm sure that you've run into some challenges in your journey. Can you share with us a time when God really came through, whether it was your back up against a wall and you needed a breakthrough, or maybe you were praying for somebody else? Can you paint us that picture of God's faithfulness through a challenge? Most of the challenges that we see are not challenges that we face, but challenges that the leaders overseas face. So let me perhaps redirect that more toward the the challenges that the leaders face. Over 100,000 people say yes to Jesus. They receive Christ every day. 2,000 new churches are planted every week around the world. And those churches are led by pastors of some sort, whether they're bivocational, full-time, volunteer. Um, But 90% of those leaders have very little to no training. So we can imagine what happens within some of those churches that can create their own crises. Uh, I was just in Nigeria last month, and one of the pastors pointed out that there was a a prophet, I say that in quotation marks, a prophet who told his congregation that they needed to go out into the fields and eat grass like cows. And they did. And they're before they got sick and that, but, but it's just one illustration of an untrained leader who does not know how to rightly divide the word of truth, passing on his ignorance and his lack of training, lack of understanding of the script and of the way of Christ to, to people and leading them astray. Uh, we could, I could share illustration after illustration of leaders, uh, perhaps even sincere, who because they did not have any sort Sort of training about character or about ministry or about the Great Commission or making disciples who have misinterpreted the scriptures and uh, taken people the wrong way or even destroyed churches as a result of it. So um, I think the, the, the challenges that may, may seem insurmountable are uh, getting to these leaders, helping them to know how to study the scriptures, helping them to understand what Christian leadership is all about, inviting them to adopt a Christ-like model for leadership, and and not some of the models that they see even within their own countries that are all about the flash, all about the big stage, all in the offerings, all about driving the big cars and their own jets. Um, I, I think, to me, that is some of the breakthroughs that we need to see happening. And we're seeing it happen. I was just in Nigeria, as I said, last month, and we're working with several groups of pastors there uh, who are who are doing just this, adopting and promoting the Christ-like model of leadership that is really in, uh, in contradiction to a lot of the other types of leaders and leadership models that are in Nigeria. Did you have any interactions with this particular prophet at all? He, he, he chose not to attend the seminar. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Well, well however, but, uh, what is fortunate is that um, the Nigerian leaders uh, who was teaching at the time pointed this out to the group of leaders, about 50 pastors that we were training, and uh, in a sense repented for all of the pastors of Nigeria you know, repented to God for all the pastors of Nigeria to say, this is why the church of Nigeria is having such difficulty. And that could be said for churches all over the world, uh, that uh, there are many that are leading others astray. Now we're going to move to the other end of the spectrum. 
just like we all have challenges, and you've shared with us one that you've faced recently, there are also those times when we have moments of revelation. Can you share with us a time in your journey when that happened? When, and take us back to that moment and share with us what you've done with what God showed you. Thank you, Brian. There have been many times when I feel I have come to the end of myself, when I have been exhausted, when I have been uh, tired, when my faith uh, has dipped a bit, and um, where I have called out to the Lord and said, Lord, help me in this situation. Or when there are things that, that uh, assignments that I have that have surprised me. For instance, I just completed four weeks of training um, and just completed what I thought was my last teaching uh, in a few weeks ago. And um, I was sitting in the pastor's office. It was about five o'clock. And I was feeling uh, relieved, like my teaching assignment is done. And he looked at me and said, um, well, we'll go to Bible study now. And I naturally said, well, good. I'm looking forward to hearing you teach and preach. And he said, oh, uh, you will be teaching tonight <laughs> for 45 minutes to an hour. And, I, and, of course, you know, we're there to serve. So, you know, we don't whine and complain. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, here we go again. Um, but I, I, I think it, I, you know, I think it often gets back to some of our um, uh, initial encounters with the Lord in the areas of ministry. And I, I went to Simpson University back in the late 70s, where we had missionary speakers in chapel every week. And I remember one um, uh, saying very, very clearly, don't ask God if you should go. Now, this is a missionary college, right? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brand new Christian. I accepted Christ when I was 17, and here I am, 22, at this, at this college. And the, the missionary speaker said, don't ask God if you should go. Go is in the gospel, right? He said, ask God if you should stay. And I remember, Brian, asking God that night on my knees by my bed, Lord, uh, I don't know what I would offer to people around the world. Uh, should I go? And he said, please don't. <laughs> please stay. Get some more experience so you'll have something of value to share with leaders overseas after you have been in ministry for a while. See, I think we, we, uh, one of the ways that we err in the area of missions is that we take uh, people fresh out of school with no ministry experience, and we send them overseas to do ministry in a situation that is really much more difficult than it would be were they to stay home and to do that ministry. I've, I've met church planters in other countries that were sent by organizations in the U.S. that never planted a church in the U.S., or never even pastored a church, or were never even on staff of a church, and yet they were going to these countries to teach the local leaders how to plant churches. Now, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think if, 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 if you're going to uh, send somebody to teach on church planting, send, send somebody who's planted you know, two or three churches and one or two of them have failed, because they're the ones who are going to know the most to pass on to the leaders overseas what they need to know. Our, as I mentioned, our founder was a retired sergeant major in the Marine Corps, which is like the general of the enlisted ranks. And uh, using the military analogy, he would say, you never send a fresh recruit to train a general. And so in that analogy, the SOS International is, what, what we do is we take those who are experienced in ministry who are uh, experts or capable 
experienced in certain areas of ministry. And we invite them to go and to train leaders who want specialized training in the topics that they're experts in. That's excellent. I absolutely love what you're talking about. Uh, and you also touched on something that's been near and dear to my heart from from those days when I was growing up in Bible camp and you know I would hear that call to missions or I would hear that call to for people to who felt called to missions or felt called to full-time ministry and I never did and for a long time I was both scared that I would be and also confused that I didn't seem important enough to God to do that now I realize he's just got me where he wants me and uh, he'll do with me as he wants yeah and I'm not saying that God doesn't call some people, I know that some people in my in my college at that time, you know, they, they asked God if they should go, and God said, yes, you go. So I'm not minimizing that. I'm saying for, for me, God said, please don't go. You'll probably wreck something. <laughs> you know, get, not, get some experience first, because I, I felt like the, what the Lord wanted me to do is not to go over and to do ministry, but to go to train ministers who can do ministry. So not to go and do the work of 10, but to go and to train 10, or in our case, we train uh, between 1,500 and 3,000 leaders a year, uh, to go and to train them to do the work of ministry. And then you can, it's very easy to see the exponential growth of the church that happens when leaders are equipped, encouraged, and able to thrive in their ministries. Yes. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move to the present day. I'd like to hear what's going on in your ministry right now. Maybe something that's really exciting you, or maybe something that you see coming in the future. Well, I'm just finishing a newsletter, and the newsletter uh, identifies six leaders that we're sending out in the next uh, two months that will be doing training. Let me let me give you a rundown on those. One is uh, Dr. David Fassel, who's been the lead pastor of Bay Hills Community Church in the East Bay of California, East North Bay by San Francisco. And he will be equipping leaders in the areas of uh, church leadership, stewardship, and marriage in Nairobi, Kenya. And then he'll be going to three places in South Africa, Melsprit, Pretoria, and Cape Town. We're also helping uh, ministerial and leadership college in Ghana, that we have one man right there, uh, there now, who is teaching two weeks of theology in their Francophone uh, campus in Burkina Faso. And once those four weeks of training in Burkina Faso are over, then they'll move to camp, uh, training to Accra, Ghana. And we have three, three men who will be there uh, training a one-week intensive course, uh, three men teaching three consecutive one-week intensive courses, Dr. Gary Zeke of Kelseyville, California, he'll be teaching two classes on biblical interpretation and uh, disciple-making. Dr. Russ Green from Pelican Bay Evangelical Free Church, Northern California, will be teaching Old Testament survey. Uh, Dr. Daniel Borg is the lead pastor of Bethany Church on the Hill in Thousand Oaks, California. He's also an adjunct professor at Biola University. He's going to be teaching a New Testament introduction. And uh, the theologian who's in Burkina Faso right now, he will also return to Ghana to teach theology one and two in, in Accra. We have two other guys that are going overseas. Uh, one, Dr. Rich McLaughlin, who just finished his PhD from Trinity Evangelical Lady School. He'll be teaching a one-week intensive introduction to Christian education at Christ Bible Institute in Nagoya, Japan. And then uh, Mr. John Wong, who has been a missionary to Eastern Europe, mostly in the Czech Republic. Uh, he returns every summer 
to help out the church with uh, camps uh, in churches as well as an English language training. So those are some of the uh, exciting things. Uh, I'll be going to Cuba in October, back to South Africa in uh, November. We just had a, a man do some training in Grenada in, in the Caribbean. So um, lots of opportunities. As I said, we work with 30, about 30 different indigenous organizations around the world who invite us to come and train in those specialized areas that they desire us to. Now, I'm sure that there are some people listening who are already supporting a missionary financially or in prayer but want to do more. If they really wanted to level up their game, what's one thing they could do to encourage or support someone? Well, I think what we need to do in this day and age is to be responsible uh, as the best stewards of our resources and to calculate relative value for dollars spent. Um, it's, it's, it could be very valuable to send a teenager on a mission trip somewhere, send them, put them on a plane and send them somewhere to paint a wall or to hold a child. It may, it may turn into a long-term impact in that student's life. So I'm not devaluing that. Statistically, that doesn't happen very, very, uh, very often in short-term missions. Um, what I would do if I was a church leader right now and I wanted to get the most bang for my buck, I would look for the long-term impact of, the, of my financial and prayerful investment. And if a mission leader within the church or a pastor were to look at the value of equipping indigenous leaders to do the work of ministry, the work that God has called them to do, uh, the long-term impact of that is staggering. We're working with this college in, in Accra, Ghana. They have, they have 25 students. Uh, last year, they did, a, they did a research on those 25 students, and those 25 students are training over 600 people in West Africa, the material that they were taught within uh, the, this particular college, Owen and Ministerial and Leadership College. That's, that's truly amazing. And with that, it's time for us to go ahead and transition to a series of questions that are, uh, I think, probably some pretty quick answers. Does that sound like a plan? Sure. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? That servanthood works in every context. That we are not there to fulfill our agenda. We are there to fulfill their agenda. That many, many missions leaders go overseas and ask the indigenous leaders, what those leaders can do to help us fulfill our vision. Instead of going to the indigenous leaders overseas and asking them, what can we do to help you fulfill your vision? The greatest among us is a servant, not a partner, not a patronizing visionary leader, but a servant. What's the best advice you've ever received? Be flexible. Or fluid. What's one meaningful thing that someone did to encourage, support, or help you? I think most of the support and encouragement that I get, I get from leaders overseas who look at me and say, thank you for coming to help me do the work of ministry that God has called me to do. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Asking the question, what can I do for you? Do you have an internet resource that you use and could share with our listeners? Uh, we have a website, which is sosinternational.us. Is there one book that you'd recommend to our listeners? I would recommend the book by Paul Borthwick. Entitled, the first part of the title is Western Christian 
importance in, in global Christianity. Uh, he talks about many of the things that SOS has been doing for 35 years in asking overseas what they need, uh, not partnering so much with the leaders overseas, but coming in as servants to them, um, not coming in to fix their problems, but coming in to train them to know how to how they can do ministry better. Have you read the book When Helping Hurts? I have not, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Yeah, I, that was one that really kind of reset my thinking. Uh, we're, we're Facebook friends now. I just put a, uh, a link to a video of Steve Saint. And he's partially paralyzed. And as he was speaking at a church, he got, he got some people to help them get up the stairs. And when he was trying to sit down in the chair, he fell. And immediately, four or five guys came up to help him. He goes, no, I can do this. I can do this. And so uh, these guys looking on, wanting to help and wanting to step in, he, uh, he, he struggled and struggled to get himself into the chair all the time, using that as an illustration of what we in the West often do when we discover problems overseas. We rush in, we pay for something, we, you know, we do for them what they can do for themselves. And, um, and he, it, again, it, it's, it's somewhat convicting because, of course, we want to help. Of course, we have resources. Of course, we want to do all these things, which may, in fact, hinder the, uh, the indigenous leaders doing what God has called them to do. In a sense, we're saying, you can't do this. We will come and do it to you or do it for you. For those who are listening, this is just a reminder. Um, all the resources that we've talked about so far today and all this conversation we've had will be at engagingmissions.com slash Rich Frazier. Now, Rich, this last one's a bit tricky, so if you need to, take a minute and think about it and then come back, back at us with your answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new country where you knew nobody. You still have all your experience and knowledge and your family's there with you. Your food and shelter are covered, but all you have is a laptop and $500 U.S. What do you do in the next seven days? I would find the leaders of the community. And I would humbly share what I may be able to offer them in ways of training so that they can be better leaders, better shepherds of their community. I would go to the pastors of the community because I believe that the Lord has answered his prayer of sending forth laborers into the harvest by raising up indigenous leaders who are doing the work of ministry within their own cultural contexts. I would go to them and say, here's what I may be able to offer to you. Uh, at your invitation, I would, I would offer to you what God has put on deposit with me. Second Timothy 2.2, the things I've heard from faithful men, uh, if you so choose, at your invitation, I, I will pass on to you in the next seven days, as often as you want, as long as you want, whatever topics you want, so that you can do what God has called you to do. And I'd probably sell my laptop. I can really hear the passion in your voice about this kind of thing. We're almost done with our interview. Can you share with us one last piece of advice and then the best way for us to touch, get in touch with you, and then we'll say goodbye? Yeah. Let me draw a picture. The fruit of an orange tree is not oranges. And when I share that with leaders around the world, they, they look at me like there's a translation problem here or this guy from America has lost his marbles, you know. And I'll say that, that the fruit of an orange tree ideally is another orange tree. 
or a an orchard of orange trees. Because when you think about if, if our goal is to bear more fruit, we don't want to have just one tree. And within that tree, within the fruit of that tree, there's the potential for planting thousands of trees. And so then I'll turn the corner and, and bring the analogy home and say that the fruit of a leader is not followers. That the fruit of a leader is another leader. Or an orchard of leaders, if we can stick to that analogy. And and that we are not better leaders if we have more followers. Second Timothy 2, 2 says, and to pass on leadership skills, leadership talents, leaders, leadership um, principles rooted in the scriptures, pass on these leadership principles to others who can become leaders in their own right. And some of them may even grow to be better leaders than we are. But our responsibility is to pass on what God has put within us, again, 2 Timothy 2, 2, and Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, so that there are more leaders, there are better leaders, who are leading these ministries, leading these churches, to reach and disciple the communities. It comes all back to accelerating world evangelism and accelerating the fulfillment of the Great Commission to reaching people uh, by providing thriving churches who are led by thriving, equipped, and encouraged leaders. And what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with us is through our website, sosinternational.us, and there's a, uh, a button there that says contact us, and you can contact us through that website. That would be the best way. And while you're there, take, take a few minutes to look around at testimonies and what leaders around the world are saying about the need for leadership training in, uh, around the world and how SOS has been an encouragement to them. All right, sosinternational.us. Thank you so much for being with us, Rich. We really appreciate your time, your generosity, everything that you've offered. And that ends our time with Rich Frazier. I had a wonderful time talking with him about global missions and the training they offer to indigenous leaders. I found that video of Steve Saint that he mentioned, and I think it's very impactful, so I'm going to put that on the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash richfraser. That's R-I-C-H-F-R-A-Z-E-R. That's where you'll find the notes and all the links for the resources we discussed in today's interviews. And I'd also like to give a quick shout-out to our mutual friend Mike Preby of MemoryPeel.com. He's the person who helped connect me with Rich, and I'm very thankful that he was willing to do that. I really hope this week's interview has inspired and challenged you. I know that it's inspired and challenged me. If you liked this week's interview, please subscribe in iTunes and leave us an honest rating and review. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Your feedback can make this show better and help us get into the hands and ears of more people. It really helps more than you know. And if you do, please be sure to grab a screenshot of yourself leaving that rating and review and email it to me. You can email it to ratings at engagingmissions.com. I'll make sure that it's featured on our ratings Pinterest board and on the website. And if you have any feedback regarding the show, you can send that directly to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I read all the emails personally. If you're looking for a way to ease into involvement in foreign missions, you might consider sponsoring a child through Compassion International. While the financial commitment is small, it is very meaningful. 
And you'll also have the opportunity to pray for a specific child every day, to write and receive letters, and to learn more about the culture that your sponsored child lives in. My wife and I sponsor a child through compassion, and it's been great for us. I'm really looking forward to the day that our children can understand what we're doing so that they can carry God's compassion for others in their hearts. Visit engagingmissions.com compassion to find out more. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.